minds are so powerful that what we focus on reverberates through every aspect of our lives. So why not see what happens when we put our attention on all the good things people are doing? Join me for the good with Teresa G as we start a ripple effect by focusing on all the greatness in the world. As the CEO of Curable, an online pain psychology app, John Gribben is here to tell us how he recovered from 15 years of chronic lower back pain and other symptoms, which has enabled him to keep up with his two active kids and I'm sure helped inspire him to create the Curable app that is helping thousands of other people heal from chronic pain. When I found the Curable app, I was so excited because as you all know, I strongly am into rewiring the brain for health and happiness and Curable is another ingenious tool to help change so many lives. So I'm so happy to have you here, John, with us today. It's a pleasure to be here, Teresa. Thanks for that wonderful intro. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So why don't we start off with your story or your healing story? Sure. Happy to, to tell it. Curable was born out of, as you pointed out in your introduction, was born out of my own experience with chronic pain, as well as the experience of my co-founders, uh, who both suffered from chronic pain symptoms for many years, and collectively the three of us is many decades. My personal story started when I was 19. Uh, it was when the first time I experienced low back pain. I got a diagnosis, uh, an MRI, and a diagnosis at that time of uh, herniated disc. And then I spent all of my 20s trying to combat the uh, worsening symptoms of low back pain, doing physical therapy, taking medications, injections, you name it, short of surgery, I was, I was trying it. And things seemed to just get worse and worse. And my physical activity seemed to decrease as well over time. And in what would normally be the prime of someone's life, you know, their, their 20s. Mm-hmm. And I got into my 30s, still was, was feeling bad, still had worsening symptoms, and went to see another uh, orthopedic surgeon and uh, got another MRI, and I got a new diagnosis, and this diagnosis was degenerative disc disease, which it uh, turns out I think all of us have, uh, but mine was <laughs> at least what this particular doctor was tying to my pain symptoms. So I remember walking out of the hospital that day when I got this diagnosis of degenerative disc disease, thinking to myself that because of the word degenerative and disease, that disease meant that I was never going to be able to feel better again. And degenerative told me that it was only going to get worse from that day forward. And I felt pretty bad that day uh, at age 31, 32. So I was already kind of projecting into my 60s, 70s going, oh, no, this is only going to get worse. So um, my wife and I had purchased the home shortly after this new diagnosis. And um, after moving into this new home, I had a really bad back flare-up that put me in bed for multiple days. And I was able to finally emerge from bed. We were taking our kids on a trip to Maine the following weekend and made it to Maine and was on a walk, a hike with a friend in Maine, still feeling painful symptoms from the previous, previous weekend's back episode. And this friend told me that asked me about my back pain, and he told me that he was able to get out of his back pain by reading a book, which I thought was complete um, 
<laughs> You're like, uh, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't believe him. Let's put it that way. But, but he explained what the premise of the book was, that the brain was, of course, connected to the body and that the brain had a, a large influence over pain of all types of symptoms, specifically pain symptoms. By the end of our walk, I really understood what he was talking about. I actually started to feel some hope that I could get better. I started feeling a little bit more control over the symptoms. And then I went on my own journey over the next year of learning more about the brain's role in pain and getting myself out of my painful symptoms and resuming all types of physical activity in my mid-30s that I hadn't done since my teens. Which book was it? Well, the particular book my friend was talking about was a book by Dr. John Sarno from NYU, mm-hmm. uh, who wrote a, a few books in the 80s and 90s on specifically back pain. But then he started realizing, Dr. Sarno started realizing that his protocol for back pain applied to a variety of chronic pain symptoms. Uh, the particular book was Mind Over Back Pain to, that my friend mentioned. Mm, okay. And again, even the title, you're just thinking, I was thinking, this is, this guy's, my friend is crazy um, yeah. for even. Believe, believe in this stuff, you know, this is mumbo jumbo, woo woo stuff here. But it turns out, uh, and this is kind of the curable story, but it turns out that, you know, what, Dr. Sarno wasn't a scientist and they didn't do any research to support his claims. So I think a lot of people thought of him, a lot of scientists thought of him as a, you know, you call him a quack, I guess, back then. But what's happened is that we've now, in modern neuroscience research and modern medical research, we've learned that the brain does have this, play this significant role in ongoing pain symptoms. And that, you know, he was on to something. And now a lot of the research has supported the general premise of, of the brain really being a, a central a figure in, in someone's chronic pain symptoms. And it was that, and that was the case for me. Right. I mean, now it's a, you know, the study and the research has backed it in so many different areas, not only pain, but in health and in your finding joy or fighting depression or anxiety. Right. Yeah. And it, it's a lot of this is overcoming stigma. You know, there's just been a stigma in medicine and in, uh, in, in Western culture of what the brain is, the brain's role in all of the things you just listed and more. And that if we are somebody who, if if you're a person who has physical symptoms because of your brain, or you have um, mental challenges because of your brain, that you, there's a stigma that you're weak in the head or that, you know, your symptoms are all in your head. That's a term that people use and get frustrated by, understandably. Mm -hmm. Um, And so there's this, has been the stigma attached in Western culture to mental health and the brain's role in in your health. And I think that the tide is turning on that. Yes, I think so too. I I absolutely agree. So basically, what are you, when you read the book and you started doing the research, what things were you doing to help change your brain's response to pain or feeling of pain? It's different for everybody. So when I talk about my story, I I guess I would not want it interpreted as a game plan for everybody. Mm Mm-hmm. For me, it was a lot about the learning, about what pain is, the sensation of pain, why it occurs, why it sticks around. So a lot of it for me was learning that I'm okay, I'm structurally, my body's structurally sound, that everybody has malformations in their back over time, that everybody, again, I kind of mentioned this earlier, but 
the research shows that by the time you're at old age, almost 90, like it's like nearing 100% of people have degenerative disc disease as, as it is termed. Yeah. And there's only about 20 people who have actually, I mean, all of us have regenerative disc uh, disease, but there's only like 20% of people that feel pain from it or something like that. I was just listening to a podcast about that. There's good research on this as well. The correlation between disc degeneration and the, the feeling of pain. There's a great study where there were 100 participants in the study. 50% of them, 50 of them had back pain. 50 of them did not. And the group of orthopedic folks and physicians and radiologists were brought into a room. The scans, the MRI scans of all 100 people were put on a table shuffled around. And then the researchers asked the experts, okay, which of these scans are, is somebody who has pain? And it was, there was almost no correlation between the scans that were selected as someone, oh, this is, you know, bad discs here. And the people who actually reported having pain. I'm paraphrasing that study. So I would encourage you and your listeners to to look at that. Isn't that amazing though? It's just amazing. It is. Yeah. So so that so it was those kind of things that for me, learning those things, having confidence in my own body that okay, I'm okay. My body thinks it's in danger, but it's not. Uh, I I can go running, you know, for what was it at the beginning, a half a mile, or you know, walk and run combination for a mile. You know, I can do these things, and I'm not causing myself further damage. So having that confidence, learning about the science of pain, that's what I needed to get better. But like I said, everyone kind of has a different journey. So then what, at what point were you inspired to start the Curable app? Well, myself and my, my two co-founders, Eric and Laura, were working at another uh, Chicago-based software company. This is where we all met. And it turned, I, I learned that both of them also had pain symptoms. And so I had gone through my own process and I was feeling better. And so like someone does when their friend or loved one is experiencing something they've experienced, you encourage them to do what you did. Hey, I'm, I'm feeling better. You should try, you should try what I learned. And that's hard for uh, everybody to absorb. Sometimes when someone's recommending something to you, it worked for me. Why don't you do it? But over time, my work colleagues, Eric and Laura did begin to go on their own journeys of learning and, um, and, and getting rid of their own uh, symptoms of pain. In Laura's case, it was migraine headaches she had had for years and knee pain. And in Eric's case, it was hand and arm pain among many symptoms, pain symptoms that he had had since childhood. And so once we all kind of said, wow, we had this very shared experience of, of past pain, and we have this shared experience of working through those symptoms um, using this brain-first, brain-centric approach, why don't more people know about this in the world? And maybe we should, be, um, we should be, get together and, and, and communicate this to everyone and see if we can get this, uh, this process and this way of thinking into the hands of people who need it. And that's when we started the company. So had any of you guys made an app before? Yes, we all came from software and, and marketing software and running software companies. So it was our first instinct was to put something like this into software. And, and it was actually our initial hypothesis was, 
okay, we know how to do software. We built it. We've, we've, you know, brought other software products into the world and, and run companies that did so. Can we take this problem and this, you know, this enormous problem, 100 million Americans, the recent estimate that 100 million Americans have chronic pain, can, and there's many more worldwide. Can we take what we know, which is software businesses, and apply those skills and that know-how to helping address this large problem? That was our initial hypothesis. Can we do this? We don't know. We have to go see if we can. And that was how the company started. Well, it just blows my mind because the app is really just phenomenal. And it's phenomenal in sort of creating a individualized program for people by feedback. And that to me is just super, super cool. Once I had tried the app out, I was just like, you guys, we have to have you guys on so we can um, help more people know about this app because you know we all know people that are in chronic pain. What changes are you, because I know you guys get a lot of feedback from people using the app. What changes are people talking about that they're experiencing from using the app? Well, we've, the app has, the Curable app, the company has grown its product line uh, beyond the app. Now we, we have a, a number of other products and courses and things that people can do to, to help themselves, mm-hmm. uh, which I can talk about. But the app is still the flagship Curable product and program. And the app has been in the world in existence since December of 2016. So that is about three years. Oh, wow. And so there are about a quarter million people who use the Curable app now. So we oh have been over the years, we've accumulated many stories, accumulated lots of data on people feeling better, but the data is, it's more boring than um, people's stories, you know, people's personal stories. And so we have, along the way, I've picked up thousands of uh, wonderful stories from people, whether it be reviews in the app store or emails, heartfelt emails that we are, that are sent to our, to our personal email inboxes or, you know, our users will create their own blog posts with that, that we don't even, we've never met the person or heard from the person and they share their experience out to the world or videos that they record and so on. So we've, over three years, we've gathered quite a few of these stories and I, to answer your question, I would say that they, that the experiences range from the, the, you know, the positive life-changing experiences range from anything from, you know, I had shoulder pain for six months. Now it's gone. Thank you. To I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia 20 years ago. I've been on, you know, opioids and everything else for, for decades, you know, a long period of time. And this app alone has completely gotten rid of my symptoms. It has given me hope and control over my life. It has reestablished family relationships that were falling apart. I am now working again where I previously wasn't, you know, so big time on the, on the one end of the spectrum, there are big time life-changing stories. Just, it's crazy how an app can do that. Well, I, I just, I, I guess I want to be, you know, that's, that's an important point, Teresa. It's actually the individual who's doing it doing and, not, the work. and not our app. Exactly. So that, yeah. I think that's an important distinction to make is that all curable does is provide the information and the knowledge. And it's the actual person, the individual who is doing all the work and they they themselves are the ones who are changing their own lives. And thank you for clarifying that because it's a, it's hard work. 
you know, it's hard work it, and it, it takes commitment, be, yes. you know? Yes. And we, you know, we don't want to give the impression either that the curable is a pill, you know? Oh, right. I, I just sit here, I open my app and the app will get me better. That is just far from the case. We don't want anyone to believe that or think that that is um, how the, you know, our approach, it really is self-empowerment, a self-care and education and knowledge. And that really gives someone that empowerment and control to, to change their own course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, so for someone, I just want to sort of talk a little bit more about the science of hearable. Mm-hmm. Maybe you can just sort of give us an overall view or someone who doesn't really have any idea about rewiring the brain. Can you sort of tell them a little bit about what it is? What is rewiring the brain to be pain-free? What does that look like? I'm happy to try. I will say that um, <laughs> the, the best thing that anybody can do, and this is not a sales pitch here, this is because this part of our program is totally free and open to the world, is download the Curable app because a lot of pain science is we offer in the Curable app for free to everybody. And, and we do, that is like finely crafted pain science stuff that we've worked very hard to make user-friendly and understandable, taking all the best research, encapsulating it into five and 10 minute educational lessons. So I will not do the pain science justice like the app could. And, and again, all that is free stuff. So that is not, this is not a sales pitch for that, but I will try. And, and what I will say is that pain can start in a variety of ways. It can start from a disease. It can start from an injury. Uh, in my case, it can start out of nowhere. You just start having painful symptoms. And usually when we're talking about the type of chronic pain that curable helps with, we are talking about pain where the, the structural damage has healed or is supposed to have healed after, say, six months. Chronic pain is medically defined as pain that persists longer than three to six months. So let's say now we're beyond six months and we're still feeling pain symptoms. The body, the structural damage should have healed by then, and yet we're still feeling pain. So why is that? Well, the brain has basically, and the central nervous system, have basically learned how to be in this pain protocol, learned how to be on guard, learned how to be on high alert, and then learn how to be in pain and that there is still an element of fear of re-injury or fear of the pain rearing its head. And so the default setting for the brain is that it needs to be in pain to protect the body. And so what the key is, and again, I'm generalizing this, I'm taking years and years of research from people much smarter than me and trying to encapsulate an answer for your listeners in two or three minutes, but that's the basics of it. And the way to progress from that state is to teach the brain another way. If it, if it learned, if the brain learned how to be in pain, then that implies that the brain can learn how to, to get out of pain as well. And so that is what uh, the science tells us as well and what the curable program helps with. Yeah. And that's really the like component that everyone is just so going crazy about is that the brain can relearn not to be in pain. So that was like the research that just blew everyone's mind. Right. And is becoming so much more common knowledge today. Well, that's, uh, I was just going to 
mention about common knowledge. I think that this is where Curable finds itself is that there has been so much wonderful research on this topic, and there's more and more is coming out. There's still a lot we don't know about all of the neurological and chemical processes that do all this, but we're learning more and more all the time. And there's, and there's so many wonderful institutions and people who are working on learning more about this and a lot of research coming out. But I don't know if it is common knowledge yet. And, and that's where I feel like Curable, that, that's the role we play. We, we think of ourselves as we're not creating this science. We didn't invent the idea that the brain plays this big role in, in persistent pain. We are basically translators from these wonderful research institutions who are publishing papers every week on this. We're translators of those papers to the people who have the pain. Because most people's journey is they go to their doctor. The doctor says, we don't know what it is. They get the scan. They're like, yep, we can't tell still what it is. And they go on this very frustrating journey of multiple healthcare professionals searching, no, nothing's wrong with you, and so on, and they're not getting answers. And yet, the answers are found in the science, but no, what, what normal person is reading, you know, the New England Journal of Medicine, uh, you know, as like, a, as like a, a bedtime book to learn about the latest and greatest research on chronic pain? And so that's where we come in. We say, all right, if all this research is being done, all this research is pointing to the brain's role in pain, how do we make this consumer-friendly and get it into the hands of the people who need it, the people who have the pain. Thanks for putting that into perspective because I was just laughing at myself because I'm like, have I really created such a bubble around myself where I think that this is common knowledge just because everyone I talk to is doing working with the brain or knows about this or, or rewiring their own brain for some reason. So yes, I do. I thank you for bringing that point up because I do agree. Absolutely. We have a long way to go, I think, until it becomes come out. I and mean, that's what we're working on. That's curable number one goal is to make all this common knowledge. And I think we have a long way to go. I, I think that the mainstream, the, the, the middle of the bell curve of, let's just say, Americans are not getting exposure to this information. They're not getting it from wherever they get their information from, meaning usually their, their care network, their doctors and so on. And the real unfortunate part of this is that there's a great study out of Stanford uh, by a researcher named Beth Darnell who did a study on pain psychology and basically uh, asked primary care doctors, nurse practitioners, folks on the front line of care, if they buy into the fact that the brain plays this big role, if they buy into the value of pain psychology in someone with chronic pain. And by and large, we're talking over 90% of healthcare providers on the front line believe in the value of pain psychology and, and the brain's role in pain. Well, that's good. Yet their patients aren't getting exposure to this. And mm. so why is that? And Darnell researched this as well. And it's because the doctor has a hard time communicating this to the patient without the patient getting angry. Hey, mm-hmm. have you thought that this is, it might be in your brain? What are you, are you accusing me of making up my pain? No, no, I'm just saying that, you know, it's a hard conversation to have. There are cost factors at play. Okay, great, doc. Uh, my brain's playing a role. What do I do now? Well, you have to go to this other, uh, you know, healthcare provider who's out of your out of your insurance network. And there are a lot of barriers to access this type of thing, even though healthcare providers, by and large, agree that the the brain plays this big role in pain. 
Yeah. And it is hard. It's really, it is hard sometimes to explain it to people that don't have in, you know, any idea about it. And I can imagine that for doctors, that would be hard to explain it in a way that isn't going to put the client at, at a defense, you know, but sending them to, you know, curable or, you know, there's another program for rewiring that is uh, DNRS, sending your patients to programs that have it well-defined and have steps that people can take, I think is a great solution to that. So we have about 600, over 600 hospitals, clinics, doctor's offices around the world that recommend, refer, prescribe the curable app to patients. And that is what the value proposition is for those folks. And what we, how we position it with them is we will do all that. We'll, we'll break the news on them for you. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll tell them all about their brain and, and the science and we'll communicate that very delicate message to your patient because it is hard. It's a hard thing to, it's a lot to ask from a physician who has 15 minutes with a patient to dig deep into the patient's, you know, history and start gently recommending and communicating this concept of pain in, in, in the brain, uh, it's just too, it's too much to ask for primary care. So a hard question, but I wanted to ask you from your personal experience, do you ever experience relapses? And if so, how do you deal with those? Yes. I would say all the time, not all the time, but frequently, yes. Uh, and I think that most folks do. We like to say that going through curable and going through your own process when, when it comes to pain is a journey. It is not a destination, meaning you don't get cured of back pain. And we even, we chose the name for our company, Curable, with intention to kind of gear people towards that, is that we, we didn't name the company Cure. We named it Curable. It's an aspirational message. It's kind of like, there's the, the goal is out there and I'm going to be constantly working towards that goal. And you kind of, you never get to full, at least in my case, I haven't gotten to full, never have pain symptoms ever again status. I get back pain frequently. I never worry about it anymore. I never think, oh, it must have been the luggage I threw up into that overhead bin. Or it must be because I was, I tackled my son and I were playing tackle and that it must have dislodged something. I never worry about it like that. So I'm always kind of fear free and in control. I know that when symptoms do arise, that something must be going on in my life. Something must be going on in my brain if I'm feeling my back pain and I get out of it pretty quickly. And I will also tell you that I get symptoms elsewhere too, not just in the back. I get pain in my neck from time to time. And I can tell you, wild stories about that I've had like wrist pain in the last year that just came out of nowhere and disappeared into nowhere within about 18 hours. So yes, I get what, what you're calling a relapse, which is just, do I get symptoms and still? Uh, absolutely. And, and most people I talk to, most curable users, my co-founders, physicians, their patients, everybody now that I talk to in this world that experience the same thing. Well, thank you for being honest about that. And I think, so really it's just your brain's approach to the pain 
so that you don't start this loop cycle that sort of escalates you into a panic place or that's right. Um, that's right. You know, an anxious place about it, which we all know makes it much worse. Or you right. know what? I don't know if we all know that, but for me personally, yeah. <laughs> I do know that. Right. Yes, and I think it's getting to that. Getting that—that's you're absolutely right. We don't all know that. It's kind of getting to that state where you feel like when you feel pain, the first place to check is your is your brain and your life. You know, is work causing a lot of stress? Is there a relationship that is causing a lot of angst? Like, I'm not saying that that is always what it is. You could definitely have cracked something when you tackled when you were playing tackle football, but. But it's always the recommendation is, you know, a, a good first place to check is what's going on in your life when you start to experience pain symptoms in a, in a relapse situation. Which can be a, somewhat of a gift that your body is sort of giving you a warning sign that something in life is not, you know, something going on in life is, is not for your highest potential or your highest good. I think that is our, our scientific advisory board who is, you know, scientists and physicians and PTs, physical therapists, and a group of very smart people. That, that is what a lot of them say to us is that the pain system in the body is designed to be it, it's a very positive thing. It is a gift in that it's alerting you to something that's going on. And if you then can realize that sometimes those things that are going on aren't structural issues, aren't a hand on a stove, but they're actually things that are happening in your life and in your brain and in your mind, then it is an, an, an awesome alarm system. It is like letting you know, hey, you have to tend to this life issue because, and, you know, that's what these symptoms are telling you. So yes, it, it is a, it's a wonderful alarm system if you can get to that point of understanding that it is a wonderful alarm system. Do you feel like being in pain for all those years helped you become a better person in the long run? Well, it certainly made me incredibly empathetic to our current community of users and other folks now that we're doing Curable. But outside of Curable, I, I think the main thing I learned is from that experience is, well, I, a couple of things, I guess. One is that people too often move on to your next problem too quickly. And you forget about where you came from. Meaning when I had back pain for all those years, if you were to ask me, what's your number one problem in life, John? I would always say my back pain. Well, now my back pain has gone. And yet I'm still, I've fixated on other problems. Like, why can't I <laughs> appreciate that the, the number one problem in my life all through my twenties is no longer a problem. So I think that that's one thing I learned is that we really have to be appreciative of our journey through life and the things that we do overcome. And I also, I think I, I would like to think at least my wife might, might beg to differ, but that my experience with pain has made me less of a complainer in that I know that it could be, I guess, worse, you know, and, and whatever my situation is or health situation or a pain a flare up, like you say, a relapse, it could be worse. So um, again, trying to be appreciative and trying to not complain too much. So where can people get curable or find curable? Well, thanks for asking. They can curable is the, the, the curable app program, which we call curable classic is available in the app stores. So your Apple or Android uh, app stores on your phone or your tablets, but it's also available 
on the web at curablehealth.com. And once you start working into the program, it's, uh, you know, you can use it across all of those devices. You can use it on your computer, you can use it on your phone, you can use it on your tablet. So the two best places to go are either curablehealth.com or your app store. Okay, perfect. And I will put the Curable website link on my webpage for everyone too. So it will be right there for you. And then one last question I have to ask you, and I ask everyone who comes on the show, what do you do every day to help you be the best you? I try to find a moment, and I I can't say that it happens every day, but it happens most days. I try to find a moment where I reflect back on my childhood and the years between my childhood and now, I'm 40 years old now. So those 40 years, I, re- I look back at those 40 years and I try to think, wow, I'm, I'm still here. I, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm around and, and try to be very appreciative of that fact. And also, you know, I wasn't financially wealthy growing up as a kid. And, you know, um, like we all do face challenges and in and, and childhood and um, and I think back to that and it seems like everyone's striving for material wealth. And I think to myself that I've had a good life and haven't had, you know, those things at, at, at times. And then again, try to be just very appreciative of being alive and think that that on, on days when I can do that, it feels really good. I love that. Taking a moment to appreciate that you're still here. Mm-hmm. I, I really like that. And I got a lot more to accomplish. So I hope I'm kicking for a while longer. Oh, yeah. I hope so, too. <laughs> so, well, I just want to thank you so much, John, for healing yourself so you can now help so many other people heal. And it has been a pleasure to have you on. I just want to let everyone know, go check out the Curable app. It is, it is, I love it. I absolutely love it. And uh, make it a blessed day, friends. And as always, thank you so much for listening and supporting us here. I'm Teresa Gabrielle, and you've been listening to The Good with Teresa G. You can follow The Good with Teresa G on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. If you haven't yet, go to the Apple Podcast and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another inspiring conversation. Thank you for listening.